On January 19th, the New York State Senate held a day-long hearing on what the state legislature should do with the climate scoping plan that the Hochul administration has drafted three and a half years after the state's CLCPA climate law was enacted. Even though this process actually began back in 2009, the scoping plan now goes through several more years of additional review by the Hochul administration with various proceedings with the State Department of Environmental Conservation and the Public Service Commission, as well as updating the state energy master plan. A big question is what role would the New York State legislature decide to play on climate policy? In addition, how will the state raise the $10 to $30 billion a year needed to finance climate change? And will they require the polluters to pay for it? Governor Hochul has proposed a cap-and-trade program, which in the past has not been very successful in reducing emissions. With the Democrats in complete control of both houses of the legislature and the governor's office, Senate Republicans used the opportunity as an infrequent opportunity. They called to delay action on climate and to protect the fossil fuel companies. While the Republicans hammered on the issue of energy reliability and the cost of the transition to renewable energy, Democrats and climate activists responded that the failure to act would cost New York residents far more money in health costs from continued air pollution and from the damages caused by increasing extreme weather. They also noted that investing in renewable energy would create tens of thousands of new good-paying jobs and gives some hope of a decent life for future generations. In this segment, we hear from three speakers, each a member of the Climate Action Council. Mario Salento, head of the New York State AFL-CIO, will speak first, followed by Cornell Professor Bob Howarth, and then environmental justice attorney Rhea Salter. Uh, I just to be clear, labor's unequivocal goal here and has been is to combat climate change while protecting the, the needs and the concerns and the rights uh, of working men and women, uh, creating and protecting good jobs. That has to be our priority. And particularly when we talk about new jobs, they should be union jobs, ensuring the, uh, the highest quality of work and skill of those workers, a timely completion of projects, safer workplaces, and of course, middle class wages and benefits. So how do we achieve this? Uh, we need to amend the CLCPA to include labor standards, uh, prevailing rate and PLAs on, on construction, labor peace agreements for the supply chain, operations, maintenance, repair, uh, preferences, of course, for Buy New York and Buy American. And in addition, these, these positions must be open, we feel, to all New Yorkers, uh, including and especially from disadvantaged communities. Um, in terms of protecting current workers, uh, we know there's projected job loss. And we know we can talk about job creation. That's sort of intangible. We know there's going to be jobs. We're not really exactly sure how much they're going to pay and what they're going to be. There are thousands of men and women who are working at their jobs, knowing that in three or five or seven years from now, their jobs are no, go no longer going to uh, exist. They're trying to figure out, again, as we're here today, how they're going to support themselves and their families in that period of time. So we need to minimize job loss. I think we could all agree on, on that. And we can do that in a few ways. We need to establish uh, alternative compliance for energy intensive and trade exposed industries and protect good union manufacturing and smelting and production jobs. Um, cap and invest is a way to protect those industries. And the goal should be reasonable and attainable emission reductions and not just shuttering industries. Uh, we don't 
Uh, also, we don't want to catalog, uh, catalyze leakage and send plants to jurisdictions with lesser environmental and labor standards because I think we'd all agree that would be counterproductive. We must maintain reliability. Current generating facilities should not be phased out until clean energy generation is ready to replace capacity. For those who, workers whose jobs are going to be eliminated, we should hope and uh, put forth policy that promptly rehires them with with the same or better pay, benefits, and working conditions, the opportunity to join a union. Uh, we need to ensure that workers are properly trained, and training is a big part of this if we're going to transition properly here. It should happen as early as possible. My name is Robert Howard. The scoping plan shows that we can meet the goals of the CLCPA, the climate law, and that we can do so in a way that is affordable and will benefit all New Yorkers. State will be stronger as the plan is implemented. The health and well-being of our citizens improve. Economic uncertainties and vulnerabilities will be reduced energy security will be enhanced. The Climate Action Council plan is also clear that the top priorities are to continue to move towards wind, solar, and hydro as our sources of electricity, to move rapidly towards beneficial electrification as the major source of heating and cooling in our homes and commercial buildings, and to move rapidly towards beneficial electrification in our personal and commercial vehicles. Climate change is real, it's immediate, it's urgent, and we in New York should do all that we can to move to address it. In New York, the building sector is the number one source of emissions by far, and so to meet the goals of the CLCPA, we need to address the the use of fossil fuels in our building. The scoping plan is very, very clear on that. The future of energy use must be based on electrification of heating and cooking and not the continued use of fossil natural gas, fuel oil, and propane. The scoping plan is also quite clear on the future of the fossil natural gas pipeline distribution system. The plan says that we will reduce our use of, of natural gas in the state by a third within the next seven years, and by well over half, almost 60%, just 12 years from now, by 2035. That means, in the interest of safety and the economic viability of uh, the average person in the state, we need to have an organized downsizing of the gas pipeline system, and we need to start planning for that urgently. I think the plan is great overall. There are a few things which I think I'd like to see us move more rapidly on. One of them is that in our draft uh, plan from a year ago, we called for all electrification in new home buildings as of just one year from now. We've backed off of that uh, somewhat and for commercial buildings. And I would like to see the, the Senate and Assembly uh, restore the dates which we had urged in our original draft plan from a year ago. Second, the current law in the state uh, still requires utilities to connect new homes and new buildings to gas infrastructure if they're within 100 foot of a main. That's clearly antithetical to the intent of the CLCPA, and I believe that should be uh, changed legislatively. And third, the utilities, many of the utilities across the, the state, including mine, NYSEG, continue to provide rebates and incentives for the use of uh, fossil natural gas in homes, for new furnaces, for water heaters, for uh, clothes dryers, and that again is antithetical to the uh, CLCPA and I believe should be acted on administratively. My name is Raya Salter. What I want to get across is that the CLCPA, our climate law, paired with the Climate Action Council scoping plan, provides a comprehensive plan for the state's just transition. The next step is to see them fully implemented to the letter of the law. This means sunsetting polluting facilities, moving away from combustion, while creating economic opportunity, family-sustaining jobs, and leaving no worker or community behind. To do this, we must first and foremost ensure that the Department of Environmental Conservation, working with other agencies, enforce the CLCPA's greenhouse gas emissions reductions limits as required by law. 
This is one way that the scoping plan fits into the CLCPA framework. The CLCPA requires that the DEC make and enforce emissions reductions rules, and they must reflect the findings of the scoping plan, encourage early action, be enforceable by the DEC, and importantly, ensure there is no disproportionate burden placed on disadvantaged communities, and prioritize emissions and co-pollutant reductions in disadvantaged communities. Let this guide be your compass to achieving the goals of the CLCPA and achieving the goals of the scoping plan. In doing so, please do not lose focus on what we must do. Move ahead with a just transition as described in the scoping plan. I was a member of the Council's gas transition subgroup and worked on the scoping plan's vision to retire fossil fuel plants and decarbonize the building sector. It includes a blueprint for the retirement of New York City's most polluting fossil fuel plants by 2030. It also calls for the creation of an Office of Just Fit Transition and a worker support and assurance fund. These actions should be taken immediately. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying and sickened every year by these plants. Lawmakers must be vigilant against false solutions that do nothing but provide the fossil fuel industry with tools to extend their business far into the future. The CLCPA should ultimately prohibit the use of most so-called alternative fuels like renewable natural gas but the plan leaves the door open, you should close it. Likewise, so-called um, advanced nuclear is a dangerous distraction. With regards to cap and invest, we must make polluters pay, not allow them to pay to pollute. The scoping plan requires that cap and invest must address environmental justice concern. The devil will be in the details. But no cap and invest scheme can be effective without simultaneous action to close the polluting facilities that are harming frontline communities the most. Of course, any plan that places a disproportionate burden onto disadvantaged communities will not be compliant with the CLCPA. This has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.